131269, the open line number if you want to have your say. 2smsupernetwork.com. Hit on feedback there for all of your emails. Well, the New South Wales government's decision to allow essential asymptomatic close contacts to come back to work without isolating from today is, according to the Transport Workers Union, somewhat reckless. The COVID-19 exemption is now in force for critical workers in the food, logistics and manufacturing sectors who become close contacts similar to those previously introduced for health workers. But the Transport Workers Union said scrapping these isolation requirements was beyond reckless. Michael Kane says workers are being thrown to the wolves by a government that continues to ignore all of the warnings. Michael joins us on the program. Happy New Year to you, Michael. Hi, Auntie and Marcus. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Uh, now, you say we know even if you are asymptomatic, you can still spread the virus. Requiring potentially sick people to go to work won't make supply chains healthy. Yeah, look, take a step back here. Back in October, September and October last year, together with the employer associations, we wrote to Scott Morrison and to the National Cabinet and said that um, it was the Delta variant there, as you recall, but we said there that we needed to flood road transport supply chains with rapid antigen tests because drivers were getting held up, supply chain was getting held up by PCR testing, but also there wasn't enough testing going on. We needed to build a healthy supply chain back then. Um, and there was a real failure to um, respond to that call. And then, of course, Omicron hit. Uh, and we've seen the devastating effects of that. But this is akin to saying, well, let's let it rip in the supply chain that act- is actually responsible for filling our shelves and getting rapid antigen tests to the rest of our community. And yeah. it, it's that group of workers, Marcus, which for two years we've said, these are the group, close contacts, um, that we're identifying as the most likely in our society to be carrying the virus without knowing it because they've been in close contact. And, and it's even more the case now with, of course, the contagious nature of Omicron. So we think that this is a short-term approach that may well get us a few more workers into the supply chain for a few days, um, but the very real risk uh, is that um, before too long, uh, we reap the devastating effects of that with more mm. virus spreading through that supply chain and making it worse. It's tough. Uh, the Premier, Dominic Perrottet, I mean, he's defended the decision. He says that it's a necessary course of action to take to ensure the state has continued access to essential goods amid mass shortages of products in supermarkets across the country. He says we need to ensure distribution networks are secure. We've seen globally uh, this is a substantial challenge. Well, sometimes the solution um, uh, requires a little more patience Uh, you might see a solution that seems like the answer in front of your eyes and your eyes light up. And I think that's what's happened to the Premier here. Um, He thinks that flooding um, the supply chain with with workers that are the most susceptible, the most at risk in our community is the way to go. And it may well give us three or four days of more workers. Um, But it's very short-sighted because, of course, we know these are the most susceptible. We know that the virus can be spread when we're asymptomatic. We know that rapid antigen tests are not very good at picking up positive cases in asymptomatic people. And when you put all of those things together, you run a very, very high risk of putting workers and their families um, uh, in the path of this virus, which is, of course, not the right thing to do. And then even on the economic and supply front, um, you run the risk of making the supply chain sicker in the medium to long term. What we need to do is build a healthy supply chain now, and that takes a little bit of patience, yeah. and it takes us to, to, to put in place 
both testing and isolation to get that workforce healthy, Marcus. A lot of the complaints that I've received from transport operators uh, is the availability of PCR tests um, and even rapid antigen tests for that matter. Are, are the testing regime still too tough and do we need a greater supply out in the market? Well, that's exactly right. Um, we don't have rapid antigen tests. Um, we put um, the Prime Minister and National Cabinet on notice we needed them four months ago um, and they simply aren't enough. Now, um, the answer to that is not to just say, well, testing doesn't matter. Um, the answer is to be patient, get those tests prioritised into key areas like healthcare and transport supply chains yeah. uh, and make sure these people are better protected. And Marcus, you know, the other thing we, we should be doing is we should be setting up uh, booster shot hubs at places where transport workers can very easily um, get to them because we've got the same issue emerging now where we're being urged as a community to get these booster shots to help us. And then transport workers, of course, their job is to be from pillar to post on any given day and it's very hard for them to actually get that done. So there are things here that can be done. We might need to take a more patient approach than this one, which really is the danger of let it rip and we've seen that that hasn't been successful in the rest of the community. All right, good to have you on, Michael. We'll talk again soon, no doubt. Uh, Let's hope things improve sooner rather than later. Thank you. Thanks, Marcus. Unfortunately, Australian Medical Association New South Wales President Daniel McMullen says many GPs have had to cancel appointments due to shipments not arriving. We know that children aged 5 to 11 are now eligible for a jab, but vaccine clinics, doctors and pharmacies, despite having been taking bookings for weeks since the Pfizer vaccine was approved by ATAGI, well, they're finding they can't get access to the stock. Anyway, if you want to have your say on this, give me a call, 13 12 69. Uh, Look, we know the Federal Health Minister, Greg Hunt, said there were 3 million COVID doses available for children and that was more than enough for every single child in Australia to be vaccinated. Well, then why is there a problem with the supply chain? And why are these gaps emerging? New South Wales Teachers Federation President Angelo Gavrilatos joins us. Good morning, Angelo, and Happy New Year to you, mate. Good morning, Marcus. Happy New Year to you and your listeners. Thank you. Uh, Look, there are a couple of issues here. Let's just have a look, first of all, at 5 to 11-year-olds. You say you are disappointed that some parents still can't get a booking for their children ahead of school starting on February the 1st? Well, if I was to be... uh totally honest with you, I'm more than disappointed. Uh, We're angry. We're angry. We've been banging on about this since October last year, calling on the federal government to make sure that the rollout of the 5 to 12 year old vaccination program is effective and is efficient since October last year. And here we are today, the 10th of January, when the program's supposed to commence of uh, hearing report after report after report of parents having their bookings cancelled. It's just not good enough. Here we are let, let down yet again by the federal government with a very a key, a key measure yeah. in our defence against COVID vaccination. But it doesn't stop with 5 to 12-year-olds either, though, Marcus. Sure. We, we've asked for an explanation. Why is it that the vaccination rollout for 12 to 15-year-olds has all but stopped? It hasn't stalled. It's all but stopped at 80%. It hasn't moved for more than a month, six weeks. 
why has it stopped at 80% when the general vaccination rate is at 93 is at 95%? We need an explanation for that. We also need an explanation as to why there is no booster program for 16 and 17 year olds. And talking about the booster program and the vaccine now, the booster having been mandated for teachers and other frontline workers, yeah. where's the program? Where's the program to ensure ease of access for that booster program? So terribly let down again by by the government with respect to the vaccination program. And of course, that's only one line of defence of what's got to be a suite of risk mitigation strategies, which I can go into if, if, if you like. All right, well, uh, before we do that, uh, the impact of delaying children's vaccinations would have a flow-on effect for schools with COVID-19 peak hitting the state just when school resumes at the start of next month. And you say you have serious concerns ahead of school resuming at the end of the month. Uh, You're having follow-up meetings this week. Um, We know in Queensland it's been confirmed that, uh, you know, they're going to hold off for a couple of weeks now, we're told, a fortnight. Should we be looking at doing the same thing here in New South Wales? So what we've said is that everything's got to be on the table. Everything's got to be on the table because health and safety have to come first. What we've said to senior officials, and we'll be continuing these discussions tomorrow, is that we've got to look at a range of scenarios and develop the plans necessary to respond to each scenario. Like it or not, the beginning of the school year will be disruptive. Will be disrupted. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. If we look at if we look at the rapidly increasing rates of infection, uh, the school year will be disrupted. Given uh, if, if anything that is happening in the US or the UK is replicated here in the US and the UK, schools have been shut down because of of high levels of absenteeism, uh, uh, rendering schools non-operational. With an increasing rate of infection in New South Wales and across the country, that will impact the operational capacity of our schools with large numbers. And I'm not only talking about students, I'm talking about teachers being absent, um, infected by, with, with COVID. That's a harsh reality of where we find ourselves in with infection rates rapidly increasing every single day. The other thing, Marcus, is that we're being told that the current rate of infection in New South Wales is around 30,000, 35,000. We're also being told that's a massive underrepresentation. Well, it is because they're not taking into account uh, rat tests and many people aren't uh, self-reporting and, you know, there's an honour system. Now, let me me just take that figure for a moment. Let's just accept that figure just for a moment. That's a 2,000% increase on the infection rates that we were dealing with before schools went into the summer vacation three weeks ago. On the 17th of December, there was 1,750 cases that were impacting, that had impacted 40 schools, the operations of 40 or more schools. And that was happening every single day. 40 or more schools were having their operations impacted because of COVID cases. There's a 2,000% increase on those cases. You can only just extrapolate from that uh, what the impact will be across the state. Um, so these are huge uh, issues, huge concerns, huge sure. challenges, and that's why we, 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 we initiated these meetings with senior officials to look at a range of scenarios and then look at the plans necessary in order to address those scenarios, and everything has to be on the table. It doesn't help when we hear, uh, when we get pronouncements from politicians, premature ones, um, only to see them have to backpedal uh, days, weeks, uh, weeks later. This is a virus. It's a pandemic. You know, when the premier says it's non-negotiable, well, we haven't seen us. We haven't been very successful um, in the negotiations with this virus. So, can we just 
make sure we put health and safety first and consider all options available to us uh, in order to, 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 um, to do that as effectively all right. as we can. Angela, anything else you wanted to add uh, before we, uh, we well, leave it this just, morning? I'll just say this. This is the time of year when our teachers and principals should be switching off and recharging their batteries after what was an exhausting year, indeed, an exhausting two years. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, that's not the case. Um, I'm very concerned about our teachers and principals. Um, but uh, these are very difficult times, Marcus. Absolutely. All right. We will talk to you in coming weeks as we get closer to the start of uh, the new school year. I fear, as you do, there will be disruptions. Um, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, to see, uh, you know, <laughs> how many teachers will be available, how many students, for that matter. Sure. It's just a, it's a big concern. Absolutely. Thank Thanks you for your time. Much. All right. Thanks. Bye.